Our scripture this morning comes from the second chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day. As they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Open our hearts, O oh God, to hear your word and know your voice. Speak to our hearts and strengthen our wills that we may serve you today, now, and always. Amen. You know, first of all, I have to thank you uh, for the opportunity to come and bring a witness to you again. Uh, you know, retired pastors are funny things. I always say that we never really retire. We just reach an age where we can no longer make it to the pulpit. Um, but until that time happens, we really do kind of occasionally like to, to get up here. And, you know, like uh, John often, or maybe churches that you're accustomed to, I was accustomed to preaching the lectionary, you know, that three-year cycle that rotates. And I know in year A that we're in now, we're doing the Gospel of Mark, and so John's doing some great sermons on Mark. And so normally I would be doing that, or sometimes I would preach a, a series. You know, there was a theme, something that I wanted to say. And so I would do that, except for when I didn't. <laughs> except for when I was called by the Holy Spirit to do something different. And today is one of those days. I've not been able to get those verses from the chapter in Acts out of my head. You know, it's unfortunate that we don't use the Acts of the Apostles much in the lectionary. We tend to use it at Pentecost as if it, that's the only time it relates. And, and granted, I'm with you. The Bible is not a history book. But in it, we get some glimpse of what was it like to be a part of the church then. And is there anything we can learn about how they were in the church then for now? And so I love the stories in the Acts of the Apostles, and I especially love this little church, this group of people that we read about in the book of Acts. Day by day, you can see them. Can't you, can't you see them leaving the temple kind of like this, you know, talking and visiting? They go to someone's home, and they bring out the meal, and they break bread, and they keep talking, and they keep praying and their lives are transformed day by day. And so not only have I not been able to get those verses out of my head, I have to admit I've also not been able to get the song out of, from God's Bell out of my head. <laughs> you know, that's really kind of the song I was thinking of, but I thought we're probably not prepared to be vocalizing God's Bell this morning. <laughs> and the reason that I haven't been able to get those verses out of my head about 
this first church and them coming together and praying and breaking bread and fellowship and prayers is, you see, I was stunned that I made the decision to transfer my membership to First Congregational on January. Absolutely stunned. Because that wasn't my plan. I had an entirely different plan in mind. You see, I loved the church I served. And, you know, the FCC doesn't have a lot of real rules about pastors still going to the church they served. You know, so I was going to stay away for about a year, give Leslie a chance to be the pastor, and then I was going to go back because I loved it. You know, I was, for all intents and purposes, the founding pastor, so it wasn't my heart. And then I thought, what I'd do the year that I wasn't going there is I would get to visit everything, right? I've got a lot of friends that are clergy that i never gotten to see them preach. i go visit them. You know, I'll go visit churches that I've always wanted to go to. I thought that'd be fun. You know, I might have a trip I wanted to take. So I thought, well, you know, this next year's going to be fabulous. Then on Christmas Eve, I went to church four times. Hey, you know, you know, you're church geeks too. Don't don't try and act like you, you know. <laughs> and so I could, and so I did. So the first church I went to was a church that had really been the church where I had found permission to love God again. God loved me. But didn't do it. And then I went to Cathedral of Hope. I wasn't gonna ever, wasn't gonna do that for a year, but I went Christmas Eve. It was so wonderful. It was so good to see everybody, and I thought, oh, they've got legs, they're gonna make it. No. And then I went to visit a clergy friend way up on 2920 that I went to a seminary with, and it was a contemporary service, and it was like, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> Although I love some contemporary music, and I like very much the blended, but this just didn't work for me. And then I came here, 10 o'clock Christmas Eve. Transformed. I don't know if you were here, but it, the, the, the space was beautiful. And John just gave a touching and moving sermon. And I realized that I longed for a church home. That I needed a place that was home. Even if I wander here and there. Even if I visit and travel. I needed a place to call home. I wanted that feeling again that those men and women had in the book of Acts. That awe and wonder that joy. So I decided to transfer my membership here. So it kind of begs the question, why First Congregational and not some other church? Well, you know, I'm the kind of person that how I've learned all my life, I learned through here, and then it travels down here. 
But that's not why I joined First Congregation. Now, I'll tell you, that's the longest journey I ever make in my life, is the one where I try and get from my head to my heart. But that's not why I joined First Congregation. I didn't join because of the social justice emphasis at first. I didn't join because of the intellectualism and the thinking. I didn't join because of the sense of mission and generosity. Because you see, I can kind of do all of those by myself. I don't know about you, I've got a study that's got more books than Carter's got pills and you know, a big part of my retirement is going through them and I will tell my friends the names of some of the books I'm reading and they just go, oh my. They just kind of glaze over. They don't even like the title, let alone the book. And I love to be out there with a placard and marching and doing things. There's lots of opportunities in Houston to be of service. So why did I join? Two reasons. One, because I was so touched by the Spirit of God when I was here on Christmas Eve. God spoke to me and said, you know, this is home. And the other reason is because I had some intimate, vulnerable relationships with people here outside of worship. Now, I knew people at first because I had been a pastor in the association and I'd been at meetings and different things with them, but I don't know that I would necessarily characterize my relationships with them as intimate, where we had been open and vulnerable with each other. And there was two people that I had that kind of relationship with here at first. And one of them is one of the newest members of your choir. Because she and I have grieved together. We've been heartbroken together. We've been lost together. And the other one was John. I have kind of a mom crush on him. (laughs) Because I'm like so old enough to be his mother. But I just think the world of him. I just think he's a gifted pastor and preacher with a heart of gold. Uh, And uh, he and I have had some intimate, vulnerable conversations with each other. But the truth is, in spite of those two amazing circumstances, it will probably take me several years to be really, really comfortable. And I'm guessing that I'm not alone in that. So it begs the question... What is it going to take to make me really, really comfortable at first? And what does it take to make anybody who comes here for the very first time or the first few times really, really comfortable to the point that they want to be a member? I have a couple things. Have you ever had a friend, and maybe you're this way, I'm not, but who is just the consummate hostess? that when they give a party, 
years ago, and I, I'll be honest, I can't remember whose house I was at. But I was at a dinner party, and they had little Christmas figurines at each table setting. I still have that. It was just this little metal thing. But I was so touched that the hostess was that extravagant in welcoming us to dinner. But have you been to people's houses like that where they answer the door and they follow you in and they say, we're so glad you're here, and they take you into the kitchen and they say, let me get you a drink, and they, they give you something to drink, and then they show you where the, they go with you, and they show you where the, uh, the meal is, and they introduce you to people. They spend an inordinate amount of time with you before they spend time with anybody else, and, and, and they do that over and over and over again. Have you ever had a hostess like that? Have you ever been a hostess like that? Can you imagine what it would feel like? Now, First Congregational is kind of like a house. It's kind of like a home where every week, because we're here and because the doors are open, we're inviting guests over every single week. So how are we welcoming them? How are we making them feel as if they're the most important person here. Because you see, one of the things that I believe is that worship really isn't for us. Because you see, I believe that what transforms us and what changes us is small group ministry. That's where our lives are altered whether we sing in the choir, whether we help with the children's, whether we do a small group ministry, those things where we spend time in intimate relationships and conversations with people, that's what transforms us. That's where, the, where God speaks to us, and that's what makes us want to be a part of in a way that is just inexplicable. Here is where we come and we praise God and we give thanks, but it's creating a space for someone new. It's opening the door and welcoming this stranger to someplace new. And then think about this. How many of you have recently, at least within memory, moved to a new apartment or a new house? Anybody? Now, if it's pitch black in that house, can you find your way to the bathroom? Can you find the light switch? I'm guessing you can't. Now, does that mean that you don't love that house? That you don't, you know, you haven't waited your whole life? You know, I, I live in this really, really small house in Oak Forest. I've been there 17 years. And it's the only home I've ever owned. And I was so excited to buy it. But I was lost when I first moved in. I could not find the light switch. You know, I had to turn on the light to get to the bathroom, and it was like 10 feet away. But you know, now, it's like last night. I was really, really not feeling well, and I eventually had to get up and sleep upright in the chair in the living room. And I never turned on a light. Got out of bed and made it down the hallway and into the chair and turned the heating pad on and that was it. Because I knew where everything was. A long time. 
for me to know where everything was. And so, can't First Congregational be like a house like that? That if you're new here, you don't know where the light switches are. And nobody tells you. You've got to figure it out on your own. You see, I believe that what drew me to First Congregational are the same things that will keep me here. And that's the power of God and intimate relationships I make outside of worship. But you see, I also was familiar with First before the first time I came because I'd been to installations here, I'd been to ordinations here, I'd been to association meetings here. I knew people were always familiar with first. But what would it be like for people who have never been here? And you know, I've struggled, because here I am, just a brand new member, whether I was going to say this. But you know, the truth is if the welcome that I received at first was the criteria for my joining, I probably wouldn't have done it. But I didn't need to be particularly welcomed because I already knew the place. But what about the person that just walks in? You know, every church struggles for members. Although do we, you know, maybe we don't. Maybe we have enough. Maybe we have more than enough members and maybe we have more than enough money. And the other thing we struggle with is attracting members that are just a tad younger. Just a little. So that there's a future. There's a tomorrow and a tomorrow for this church. And what is going to bring them into this space and keep them here? A love on them. We got to treat them as if they're the most important person in the room. We, we need to own visitors. Say, I got that one. I'll take that one. And we need to escort them down to where we have coffee, not just point. We need to love on them. And let the power of God work in their lives. And then, the other things that are so amazing about FIRST will take hold. Social justice, our mission and our generosity, and our thinking, and our inclusiveness. Day by day. I love the hymn that MJ uh, chose for the be- I love musicians that help pastors and pick the right songs. It's a verse we didn't read, uh, we didn't sing. It's the last one. It says, come into this place of peace and let its silence heal your spirit. Come into this place of memory and let its history warm your soul. 
come into this place of prophecy and power and let its vision change your heart. That's who we are. That's who we've always been at first. A place that changes hearts. But we got to love on them first. <laughs>